going to move three feet to get my lure? Will he, will he, will he, you know, and, 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 and if that's all the farther he'll move, well, I can make multiple passes to cover the, what I, the area I want to fish. See, so um, if I'm, and so anyway, I'll, try, I'll hit a small area where I think, where I've caught fish, or I've seen fish caught, or I've seen other fishermen fishing. Um, and that gives me enough time to observe other fishermen. Are other fishermen catching fish? I mean, I don't have to catch them. I just have to, I just have to believe there's fish in the area. And once I think there's fish in the area, I'll, 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 I'll target in on it. I'll, 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 if, I go to, if I think there's fish there, other, I saw other people catch them. I haven't caught one, but I, there's fish around. And so I'm going to change my technique to see if I can't get a bite. You know, I might jig or am I going to pull a plug or, you know, go from a smile blade to a spinner um, and, and make several passes. And if I don't, don't hook anything, well, then, I'm, you know, I, I may move on. Um, but it's just, you know, trying to find those fish and if nobody's catching them, you know, then it's just kind of, you're just out there, well, troll, trying to, trying to find that, get that first bite of the day, you know, and, uh, and, and give you a, a, a little, you know, picture into to that, well, how, the, how, how are the fish going to react today? And that, that is really interesting because, um, I had never thought of it about that. I had never thought of it that way. I was always one of those guys that, you know, let's start here and we're going to go a half a mile and and then we're going to come back and we're going to make another troll. Where if you're working a small area, and I'm assuming you're working something that's more like 100 yards or maybe a 150-yard area. Um, well, it could, be, it could be farther than that, um, you know, but it, it's not going to be, you know, as far as I can see down the river and around the bend kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, um, but yeah, because there's, because you know, it, it the bottom changes so much in that in that in that distance, generally. Um, so yeah, I, I like to break it up, and especially if there's something on the bottom that there's a rise or there's a rock out there, um, the current splits around an island. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, try, I like to try to target something. Um, and so once you've either saw people catching fish or, you, or you've caught fish yourself, now, I know that you've switched, you're added a technique in where you're jigging uh, for fish. So tell me when do you sort of stop trolling and switch over to jigging and, and why? Well, here again, it's, it's that it's that I feel that there's fish in the area, and um, and there's and there's and and if there's other fishermen around, most other fishermen are are, are going to be pulling a worm harness. That's how ninety percent of the people are fishing. So, you know, if I show them something different, a lot of I find in fishing, if you show them something in a, in a pressured area, if you can show them something different, you can get a strike. You know, um, also jigging comes to, um, I think, you know, I, I'm trying to present it in a, in a, in a, in a, in a slower method, you know, just in a slower presentation, more natural drift along the bottom. 
Um, generally, when you're pulling a worm harness, you're going a little bit faster than the current. Uh, when you're jigging, you're, you are, you, I am trying to go at the speed of the water on the bottom of the river. Because the, the, the water on the bottom of the river is going to be moving slower than the water on the surface because of the resistance of, of the bottom. So you're making... So that's really important. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So what's, what real, what's really important is boat control. And in that, from everything I've read and, and, and talked to other people about, is, is I'm trying to keep my jig and line perpendicular to the bottom, so it's vertical. So on a normal day, if I, regular day, the currents, I'm fishing an outgoing tide. I'm always targeting an outgoing tide. I have to point my, point my boat upstream, and I periodically hit the power to my trolling motor, which is on the front of my boat, um, to slow me down. So that my, otherwise, I'll be dragging my jig downriver because I'm moving fast. The surface, of the, the surface and the boat are moving faster. Now, I was out last week, and there was a heavy wind. So I had to reverse the boat and point the boat downstream and actually power downstream because the wind was blowing me upstream to try to keep my line vertical. So, um, and I find that's to be, instead of dragging it, dragging it downstream or, um, or, or, or it's pendulum, you know, it's down below me. Um, and to, and so, and, and I, and, and, so the weight of the jig, I want to keep, I try to keep the weight of the jig. I start out with a half ounce and I found that, find that to be a pretty good weight for, you know, that 15 to 20 feet of water. Um, and then, but if there's, there's heavy wind or there's heavy current, I'll bump it up. I could bump up to, uh, a three quarter ounce jig, uh, and those are the two I use the most. But I also carry one ounce and three eighths ounce jigs with me. But I, 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 I seldom need to use those. And so, are you making a drift? So you're pulling up over an area, and then, as you said, you're you're pointing your boat and you're using the trolling motor to, to control. Are you making a drift over a? a a, a small area and then and then moving a few feet, making the same drift. Uh, how are you fishing that area? Well, let's say if it was just, you know, uh, I, I, there was an upwell. It was coming from deep water up to shallow water. And, and I saw somebody catch a fish there. Or there was a couple fish caught in this area. So then I would go above that area, get, you know, couple hundred yards above it, get my boat, you know, run up, put my trolling motor down, get my boat drifting at the speed of the current, because it's going to take me a little bit of distance. I want to get, I want to get that boat drifting at the speed of the current and my line vertical before I ever get to this, to where I, the area I want to target. And um, then I'll just, and I, and I, and I'll be with my, uh, Fish finder, I have the graph on, and I will 
it leaves a trail of where I've been so that I can see, okay, I've made a pass here. Now I can shift over 10 feet and make another pass. So I can cover the area, you know, it, uh, instead of just looking at the bank and going, well, how far am I from the, from the bank or where was I? So I can target, you know, a, a width of, of, of that, of that uh, section I, I, I'm targeting. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And now, and you're using, as you were describing the, um, the weights of the, uh, the jigs. Now, you're talking specifically about a blade-type jig, right? Well, there's, 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 uh, yeah, there's two, two jigs that I like to use. One's made by uh, Northland Tackle. It's the Whistler jig. And that has a, uh, a prop-style uh, spinner on it. Um, and the other one is, uh, is a bladed uh, jig. It has a willow leaf uh, blade on it, and it's made by uh, Real Baits. Um, I, yeah, I, I think I've been fishing with those for about six or seven years now. Um, and I really like that, the fact that it gives you a little bit of flash down there. Um, and I fish either a white or a chartreuse jig. Most, you know, that's, that's, those are the, the, the colors that I stick with on the, um, on the Whistler jig. They have a nice, um, uh, silver, uh, jig that, um, I, I also like to use, um, you know, in the shad, uh, it just seems like a good silver, uh, silver, silver jig um so if they're in, in the fall when the shad are coming down i just i kind of like i kind of like using uh, that color as well and that's that's interesting i had not even thought about the shad uh until you just said something because i didn't even think about walleye going after them but i'm sure they do uh, as they as they start to get ready for winter i'm sure that they're they're uh, feeding uh on whatever they can find so that that's interesting. Well, yeah, and I well, yeah, and and with it with a jig, you always want to use a uh, a stinger hook. Um, there's you can find YouTube's uh, on the, on the web about how to how to tie up a stinger hook, but basically it's I use a size one octopus hook, and it's about a three inch leader back from the the jig hook and you just hook it over the hook it hook it onto the hook tie it onto the hook um so that you have that second hook uh in your worm so the jigs we're talking about i always fish a worm with them okay and, and i heard from about a, that if you yeah. add a bait yeah and for, i always fish a worm on a on a on a jig or a worm harness mm-hmm. And I heard on a previous uh, podcast about the Canadian worms. And, um, yeah, I do like a big night crawler. And I've found that in the last, you know, two or three years that I've just had uh, better, better success with the, the worms I buy at Walmart, the Canadian worms um, you only get 18 as opposed to 24 uh, from the the D&G uh, worms that you might pick up at Fisherman's or Bymart or anywhere else but uh, they just seem they seem to be a little bit 
a little bit uh, bigger worm, um, and and I like that. And, and this this is totally on the side about worms now, and I will agree. I go by Walmart night night crawlers because of the size of them. They do seem to be a, a good size. Do you think that that makes a big difference, or the fact that they are a very active uh, night crawler when you put them down in the water? And the reason I say that is I've got a camera, and I actually dropped it down one day, and I was and I was just worm fishing and I just wanted to see what it looked like and I dropped it down on a hook and that thing is really moving around a lot. So do you think that that may attract fish too? Well, I think, yeah, I think movement, movement helps, you know, um, whether it's induced by me or the angler uh, or it's just the worm still still alive they, they they i think they they pretty much i'm not sure how quickly they die and 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 kind of just lay flat you know when you first put them down they're, they're they just you know can wrap around your hook and uh-huh. uh and not lay out flat like you want them to um and that's also something that's important if you're if, if somebody's going to start to go out there and start jigging for walleye is um you want to when you set it in the water and you and you want the thing to to be laying so the worm is laying downstream. You know your your jig head is 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 upstream. It's the heaviest part. The worm's lighter. It's going to dangle behind. And don't just you know you just don't open your bail and let it fall to the bottom because that worm's going to fold up and it's going to you know there's a good chance that that could get tangled. Uh, and so now you're fishing down there with a with a worm that's all tangled up. So I generally kind of you know let pull my rod, lift my rod up, get about six feet up, and then just kind of slowly lower it, and then raise my rod quickly and let, let another six feet out, and then drop it back down. So I make bottom contact. Okay, you um, do make bottom contact. Oh, yeah. We're, we're definitely, because when you're drifting with the current, I'm just, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to keep that jig three or four inches off the bottom, and I just, and I'm not jigging it, as, as, the, as we talk about jig fishing. I more think of it as just I'm trying to flutter that spinner blade, and I'm trying to make that worm. You know, they're not they're they're, they're simulating or, or imitating something that's small, and they generally don't just you know make these three foot um, jumps in 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 the, in the water column, with the exception of the blade bait which we'll probably we'll get to. But um, when I'm fishing a worm, I, I don't want it to get all tangled up down there. So I'm just kind of lifting it maybe six inches and then dropping it back down and lifting it six inches and, and then touching the bottom and then and just kind of holding it there, letting it flutter. Uh, and like I said, maybe give it, you know, just make it, like you said, when it's down there, when you saw it, took your camera down there, and you saw it moving all over the place. So I want, I want that thing kind of fluttering down there in the current um, to kind of make it look like it's alive or injured um, to that, uh, that walleye it might be going by. And is the bite when you're fishing like that similar to when you're pulling a worm harness? Because for those who haven't caught walleye or hasn't caught a lot of them, uh, they're not a real strong bite. They kind of hit and almost feels like you're snagged. Yeah, you, they're not. They don't grab and turn 
um, if you're used to fishing, like I said, for salmon or steel or something, you know, and, you, and, it, and it latches onto your lure and it makes a big turn and you get this big yank on your rod, uh, I wouldn't expect that. You're just, whether, you know, you're kind of, if you're pulling a worm harness, you know, all of a sudden your rod just starts to bend over. You know, and like, oh, I'm hung up. Well, he just he, he just inhaled that thing. He didn't go anywhere. He just kind of latched onto it when it was going by. Um, the same thing with when you're jig fishing. You're just going to feel that that little bit of tap. It's going it's going it should feel a little bit different than the bottom. Um, but if in doubt, you know, lift lift your rod sure. and, and 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 set that hook. But no, you're going to feel that. That, you're going to feel that, that, that tap. And, and I think this is where, you know, a high modulus graphite rod is going to, is going to benefit you. Um, it's, I would put, uh, if I had, you know, X amount of dollars to spend on a rod, I'd put more of it into my jigging rod uh, than I would my, a rod that I'm going to pull a crankbait or a worm harness with because I want it more sensitive so I can feel what's going on down there. And that's why I'm going to be using like uh, Berkeley Fireline. Um, I like to use about 10-pound test with 10-pound monofilament leader. It's about six, like six feet long, five or six feet long. And um, so when I do get hung up, you know, hopefully my jig just breaks off and I don't lose my leader that's tied to my braid uh, as well. But I just figure that I'm going to lose six, eight jigs in a day. You know, I was just going to go, okay, I'm going to get hung up. I broke it, break it off, put a new one on. It's just, you know, I, it, it just, because I, I, I don't want to avoid fishing an area because I think I'm going to get snagged if I think there's fish there. Right. Does that make no, sense? I, oh, yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I have a couple places that I go to that, um, Every time I take anybody there, I, I tell them, I guarantee you we're going to lose some uh, some tackle here, but there are fish. But there is uh, there is stuff on the bottom. Of course, I can see it with my electronics. I I know what it is. It's an old uh, it's an old barge, but uh, the fish are there. So yeah, you got to fish around it. Now you've got a couple of other um, jigs that you also sent me. Can you tell me about those a little bit? Well, there's the whistler, and then there's the real bait that's a I would call a bladed uh, a bladed jig. So those are the two styles of of jigs. Um, the the other lure would be a a, a blade a blade bait. Uh, it's just a piece of metal with um, lead molded onto it, and um, it they. Uh, they're very effective. They're very effective uh, when, like I say, they you know they uh, for geez, smallmouth, uh, uh, walleye, uh, catfish will hit them. Anything that's feeding it on a on a on a on a dead you know fish that's dying and uh, on the bottom and and uh, I don't know if you've ever seen one, but sometimes they will hop up. Uh, you know, a couple feet if uh, when uh, when when they're when they're when they're dying. And um, but that's just a more. I lift I lift those higher and drop, and then kind of you as you drop it, you follow it down, and then pull it back up, and you'll feel it. You should feel that 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 blade bait uh, vibrating as you bring it up, 
if it's if it's not if, it, if it's not vibrating there's a lot of clamshells down there or a stick or because you've got those two treble hooks you you may have picked up a small piece of something and then it's time to reel it in and clean off your hooks and, and put it back down but um no. i don't lose near as many as i uh, as a as i thought i would having two treble hooks and, and dropping it you know and, and dropping it back down to the bottom now, you're not using uh, bait on those, though, right? On, on you are not, because it's a more, it's 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 a stronger lift than I would use with a jig. Mm-hmm. And um, here again, you don't have to, you know, as long as that when you when you drop it, you're, you know, you're getting close. You're getting down to that, you know, three to four inches of the bottom. You don't naturally have to have to hit the bottom. You just have to know you're near the bottom. So every once in a while, you know, every three or four times you want to tap and make sure I'm still, I'm still, I've got the right amount, right amount of line out for this, for where I'm fishing and, you know, I'm drifting along and it's 18 feet deep and it hasn't really changed. It's not changing. Um, I'm not on a, a rise or a drop of the river. Um, yeah, but you just want to keep them down there in, in that, you know, that, that strike zone where the fish are. Now we're, we're not a sponsored podcast, so I'm not worried about, uh, telling our audience about this, and especially since you go to the different sporting goods stores and you say, "Hey, I want to buy some of these," what's your recommendation for where to buy the best jigs, the blade baits, uh, the reel bait, and the whistler? Well, probably online. You know, uh, there's a lot of places now that I think it's. $50 minimum and they'll ship for free, you know, and you can, it's, it's, it's amazing. $50 adds up pretty quickly. You know, if you're uh, doing a, doing a stocking order of, 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 of jigs and lures and, you know, add some fishing line or something, but um, I'm not the, I think for the, the vibrating blade baits, uh, I, a lot of people I hear the, the silver buddy is a very popular one, but I, invested in in a in a do it mold and i the do it molds run about 35 40 dollars and i bought a, a bag of 100 uh stamped out blades and about about 10 years ago and i'm still fishing on those on on that on that original i have i don't think i've gone through half of them yet so uh lost them so uh and that's a, a very economical way to do it, you know. To if you have a, you know, a, a friend or somebody, you know, has a mold and and just you know, pour up, you know, twenty of them, and um, you'll be set for a while. Yeah, that's that's really uh, a great idea, you know, is to make your own because um, here in the Northwest, there just is not a lot of places to buy them. You know, like you said, online is probably one of the best places to go looking. I'm sure if you Google the um, uh, different types of uh, blades or jigs, that you'll come up with uh, several uh, online retailers that will be happy to help you out. Um, yeah, I think it's just it's important to try to find something that's, you know, that, that, that you're not going to worry about losing. You know, you need to be able to fish it the way it, it, it should be fished without 
like, oh my gosh, I, I, I hung up my, my $5 lure, right? I want to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to spend 15 minutes trying to get it back. And, and I've seen people break, uh, break expensive rods trying to get their lure off the bottom. Uh, so it's, uh, when I get hung up, I don't spend a, a whole lot of time uh, trying to retrieve it. If it, if like I say, I move upstream of it, if, it, if I'm trolling downstream, I move upstream of it, uh, give it a, two or three good jerks. If it doesn't, if it doesn't come free, I just put my, I, I wrap my arm arm around my line and 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 pull it and pull it till it either breaks or comes free. If it comes free at that point, the hooks are shot. Generally, you know, and uh, and I have to tie on a new lure anyway. Right, and that that's the whole thing. Is that, uh, um, you know, I will I will give it one chance. I'll go back upstream, like you said, and I'll give it a little tug. And if I can't get it out, um, you know, I donated it. It, it I want to keep fishing. If I spend a lot of time trying to save it, I could have been I could have been another twenty minutes of fishing. So I, I totally agree. And now. As we've been talking here, this has been kind of an interesting conversation because I had not really been comparing um, salmon and steelhead to fishing walleye. I fish warm water. I like fishing bass, as you do. And so I kind of naturally picked up on walleye. I'm not a salmon and steelhead person, never have been. Um, but because of that, I'm also thinking about our the, 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 um, the fishery. And so in my boat, I have a slot limit. Certain sizes we keep for eating, certain sizes we put back uh, because I want to keep that fishery going. I don't want to have happen to the walleye fishery as to um, salmon and steelhead. So do you, do you fish the same way, or, or which ones do you keep? Which ones do you send back? Oh, I'm a strong advocate of, 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 of limiting your kill. Uh, there's no reason to to take home eight 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 or ten fish, you know. I, I just, you know, uh, and I don't I don't keep the keep the smaller fish. I generally, uh, you know, 19 to 22 inches makes makes a couple of nice fillets. Um, the bigger fish, you know, are, like you say, there's no hatchery on the things, um, and if we don't let them go, uh, you know, it's not going to be you know, it, it, we're gonna we're gonna hurt we're gonna we're, anglers are gonna are gonna hurt their own resources. We've got nobody to blame but ourselves by by killing too many fish, because um, it's you know it, 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 it back was it 25 years ago, um, you know it, I felt there was there was more bigger fish being caught, and as 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 the, as the fisheries gotten more popular, those older fish. Have, have been uh, their numbers have gone down, so you don't see the, the those you know those twelve pound you know fourteen pound walleye uh, very often anymore. Uh, there seems to be a good population of uh, of uh, twenty inch you know eighteen to twenty four inch fish in uh, in the Willamette. Um, I haven't been seeing a lot of um, smaller fish. So I don't know if it if if it has you know if the you know because some years they're more effective at spawning than others due to the the, the water conditions um, and I don't know if it's just those fish are in a different area or um, you know or if they're or, or if we didn't get a good spawn and in, in, in that in, in in that that 
age group. Um, you know, I, I'd like to hear from from other people if they're seeing those, you know, 12, 14 inch fish. Um, I personally haven't been been catching those uh, in the last couple of years. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, I did get one two weeks ago that was a 12-inch fish, um, but I only got one for the whole day. So there, there was that one small fish, um, and uh, what I did was net it. Uh, I didn't want to take it out of the water, and then I wiggled the hook out and just let it back go again. I didn't even bring it back in the boat because... And this may be just me, but I feel that the walleye are, is not a, um, it seems to be a pretty hardy fish, but I can take a bass out of the water, I can take pictures of it, I can maybe even drop it in the boat and then put it back in the water and it seems fine. Uh, walleye don't seem to be as hardy, and I, maybe that's just me. Um, I, I haven't, I haven't. yeah, like you say, I take the, you know, net them, get the hooks out of them. If they're not, if they're not, usually they're not hooked deep at all they're usually it's it's right in their their lips you know and i can easily access the hook and uh and and let them go with uh with no with no problem um they are a slower growing fish you know i mean slower in terms of when you think of a salmon or steelhead that's maybe you know 30 pounds and it's it's only it's only six years old well how old is how big is a walleye after six years you know is he 20 inches, you know, they just, they just don't grow as quickly as those fish that go out into the ocean and then come back. So, you know, uh, it, 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 it's, we, we, the resources, you know, it's a valuable resource and, and it can be overfished. Um, I know it seems like there's a lot of water out there, but um, there's more and more pressure on these fish. And so, yeah, I think if people will let go the a smaller fish keep keep a couple of fish you know for dinner and um and, and let the rest go uh we'll have good fishing uh, for years to come yeah and i was really surprised when i got that the, the 20 inch one here a couple of weeks ago uh filleted it and i was amazed at the size of the fillets uh i actually ended up cutting each one in half so that i ended up with four uh, four pieces. Uh, my wife and I will have a piece. Uh, we'll, we'll share one uh, each time we eat them because I was amazed how big they were. So um, uh, when you're filleting it, you know, kind of watch the size on them because they're they can be pretty big. Um, now, do you have favorite parts of the Columbia other than going clear to the John Day? Do you go on up further to? to say Aragon or up near the McNary Dam uh, for fishing? Uh, yes, I, I have gone up to the Boardman area, you know, fished in the Boardman and up below McNary Dam, uh, uh, below McNary Dam for, yeah, I don't know, three quarters of a mile is, is a real good area all the way down to, um, what is that, the, the Yakima River? No, it's um, what's the, the Umatilla River. Umatilla. It comes in. So from the dam down to the Umatilla River, um, you know, there's nice current in there. There's a lot of walleye. Seem to they seem to gravitate up in that direction uh, in the fall. Uh, you know, it's you're not going to be uh, you know have find a lot of solitude. There's going to be you know other walleye fishermen out there, but um, 
you know, in September, late September, you know, using a a, a blade blade bait, um, you know, is a good is a good 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 way to fish, productive way to fish up there, uh, as long as as well with as with a with just a jig and a worm. Um, yeah, I like to fish up there. I don't get up there as, as often because it's a farther drive. You know, you know, I have to camp and, and such. But you know, all the even below uh, all the dams, you know, have have a have a, have a walleye fishery below them. Um, probably the one that's the least productive would probably be the the Bonneville Dam. But um, there's still walleye, you know, from uh, the dam down to uh, you know all the way down to Rooster Rock. You know, it's kind of a a, a known walleye area. Um, and beyond, you know, it's just like there's a lot of river out there, and I and, I'm, and I wish I knew it better. There's just not enough, you know, time to to go out and fish it all and and and, uh, uh, and figure it out. No, that, I totally agree. I anything above Bonneville, I have uh, at least tried. Uh, I've caught I've caught some in certain areas up there. Um, the one thing that I've looked at when you get down around Rooster Rock and and downriver to uh, say the um, 205 bridge is there are some uh, large rocks. I don't mean just like rocks that you can get around. I mean like the stuff size of cars. And so I just caution everyone: if you do go out there and go fishing, make sure that you've got a map. Make sure that you're that you know where you're going. Um, make sure you're paying really close. Uh, uh, attention to your electronics because uh, you'll take out a you'll take out a prop you'll take out a lower end of a of a boat motor so just just be careful around that around that area. Um, any other tips or tricks that you'd like to add? We've uh, we I think we've gotten a lot of great information so far. Um, well, you know, I, uh, I think you know we talked about you know line rod. Uh, um, I, on, as, 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 as with my jigging rod, it's also a lighter rod uh, than my a lighter weight rod than my what I'd use for a worm harness or, or crankbait. Um, I use my rod is only six feet long and it's rated for eight to fourteen pound test line, and uh, it also is a it's rated for a quarter ounce to five eighths ounce lure, um, and you know, I think, you know, we have a lot of great rod manufacturers here in the Northwest, whether it's, a, you know, G. Loomis or, or North Fork Composite. Uh, they all, they both make, you know, excellent rods. Um, I haven't used a St. Croix, but I'm sure, you know, I understand they make a, a very, a very nice rod as well. Um, but when you're, when you're trying to feel the bottom and it's windy and there's current, uh, you need, you, you know, you, it, 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 it's it's beneficial to have that 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 thin diameter uh, fire line or, or, or braid because it, it it just the smaller the diameter, the less resistance in the current, the easier it is to you know the less weight you have to use to get to get to the bottom and maintain that bottom contact, and then. Um, with the rod being able to feel that you know the rock and that subtle bite that you of a walleye, um, it, it 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 helps. 
Well, that is just some great information, and I hope that everybody who gets a chance to listen to the podcast, you may even need to replay it a couple times because Randy gave so much great information in there that uh, I, I hope you have some success out there fishing and that, you, that everyone who gets to listen to this um, takes the time to go out and try walleye fishing. And also remember, you're responsible for that fishery. So if, if you catch one, you go, geez, it's too big or too small, put it back. Um, our game fish are just too valuable, and they should, be, they should be caught over and over again. Randy, I'd like to thank you for coming on the podcast and uh, appreciate your time. Well, certainly, Don, and I wish all your listeners out there the best of success and uh, hope they're able to, you know, to, to get out and, and enjoy, the, enjoy what we have to, have to offer. Well, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Randy. And if you do have questions, please contact me at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com for show ideas and feedback. I'd like to thank everyone. And until next time, this has been Don Clark, Talking Bass in PDX, and I'll see you on the backcast.